Hi everybody. Welcome to the SOS Small Business Podcast, Small Business Success Podcast. I am your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. I'm glad to be here today. Um, each and every week, you know, we talk about the SUM strategy, sales operation, marketing, mindset, and education. And each and every week, we focus in on a strategy, a philosophy, a concept of how to be able to build your small business and make it more successful. And listen, I think that we're, we're, we're challenged by different uh, things that are happening, but I'm starting to see a pattern now that we're opened back up and the pandemic is not the number one topic of conversation. Um, I'm hearing more of a pattern of you know, it used to be that we were always striving to find new clients. And now it seems like we're striving to find support team, help, um, hire new people, get the staff up to par, um, finding the staff. That seems to be the big topic. And of course, we'll talk more about that as we kind of progress on. But the whole point of this program is to help you build your brand to survive and develop people to thrive because your business is not going to thrive unless you have a thriving mindset and that's going to change everything. So we look at, we look at what's available to you from this, like a strategic opportunity standpoint. Okay. How do you get success? You look for strategic opportunities and you focus in on those strategic opportunities. Now, really successful businesses know how to be good at sales operation mindset marketing and education mid-size mid-size companies or companies that are still in a, in a in a growth phase they might need to put more of their focus on sales and marketing right now um, companies that are growing and they are looking to scale to the next level definitely operations and mindset but they're not stopping sales and marketing they've kind of mastered it a little bit enough to put it into the system, keep it going. Now they need to build next level strategies around operations and mindset in order to scale the business to the next level. And of course, all along the way, we have to figure out, do I need to learn something from an educational standpoint? Do I need to train somebody on something from an educational standpoint? And as you're growing and scaling, yes, you're constantly in education mode to be able to do that. And you have to be good at all five of these to some degree, okay? You might specialize in a couple of them that you're really good at, but then what you need to do is hire other people in your organization to be good at the ones that maybe you're not so good at. We know how that's, we know that's to, to be true as a really, really good leader, right? Okay, so our topic today is under the operations category and it's titled sustainability. And I always thought sustainability was a word that was more like attached to the ecological issues that we may be up against. We need to make, thing, we need to make our world more sustainable, uh, global sustainability, uh, financial sustainability, all of these things. And I always kind of tied it to, um, you know, clean air and, and, you know, less chemicals and things like that. But the truth is sustainability is really finding ways to be operationally excellent. So let's look at, let's look at how we need to define this first of all, because I always like to say, if I'm using a word, I need to define it because the context of my content might actually be different than how you know the word to be based on how you've heard it before or what's been relevant. 
So here's the official definition of sustainability. The ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level. So from a business standpoint, if you are a sustainable business, it means that you've reached a, main, a level where you're able to maintain that level of success. But if you wanna to scale to the next level, then you're gonna to have to be somewhat disruptive to your business acumen and to the business strategies and to the business operations in order to scale to the next level. Now, here's the other uh, definition of sustainability that I think I've always kind of understood more. Avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. Good. Now I want you to place that same definition into your business. Avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. So if you don't have the right people to be able to support you in the right skill sets and be able to take care of the customer demand or the product demand, whatever it is that you're offering, then you don't have an ecological balance to your business. You certainly wouldn't then be considered sustainable. You would potentially be in survival mode and you'd have to figure out operational strategies in order to get back to surviving, to thriving, okay? Because having lack of, lack of staff, is a depletion of natural resources. So if you look at our restaurants today, you know, our, uh, they're busier than ever. Like we, I was out to dinner the other night with, um, with uh, a, a business acquaintance and it was, it was a busy restaurant. It was a lovely dinner and it was thriving. Inside it was thriving. And it looked like they probably had enough help, but, but that might be a rarity. Most of the other restaurants that I go to, there's usually a wait, you know, and we've, we have this perception when we walk into a restaurant where there's all those empty tables, why can't you seat me? I'm willing to be patient and wait for the server to eventually come and serve me, but you have all these empty tables. But just like anything, you, if you, you can't fill up all the tables and not have the support staff to be able to manage all of the tables. And it may not even be that it's the, the, the wait staff that is lacking. It might be that you only have one cook in the kitchen and one cook in the kitchen means that they're not going to be able to manage all of the meals that are coming. So they can't seat you, even though it looks like there's plenty of seats available. I, why can't you seat me type of thing. So we need to understand that let's at restaurants is a really good example that there's um, a lack of employment in those in that particular industry and they're doing the best they can with what they have okay so now look at your business um, and you know of course we'll look at the hair salon business here since that's most of my listeners uh, we will look at your business if you you can't keep taking new clients um, to be able to do the services. They can't walk in the salon and go, well, there's an empty station, sit me down there. And when somebody can come around and work on me, then they can work on me. But the truth is, is they're already booked with other clients and they're never going to come around to work on you. So the perception that we use in the, in the restaurant industry to the perception of it in the salon industry, it, it makes total sense to us, right? Just because there's an empty chair doesn't mean that there's a stylist that eventually is going to come around to do my hair. Now, we have the ability because we're not just walking into a restaurant to try and get served. We are mainly the ability with the exception of, uh, you know, um, chain type accounts. We are mainly an appointment based service business. 
So in other words, people are calling up and they're wanting to get in. And then what's happening right now is that they're calling up and it's like, yeah, I want to get my hair cut and highlighted. And it's like, okay, well, we have Bonnie that can do you um, on Tuesday, July 2nd. And you're like, oh no, I need it done before then. But that's the first availability because there isn't enough staff to be able to have open books. And then you can say something like, well, I can put you on a cancellation list. And if something comes up, then certainly, you know, we can get you in sooner. But at this point, this is the first available appointment that I have with anybody. Okay. Um, now, if you have a specific stylist that you want to be able to get in with, uh, your best option is to be pre-booking your appointment, of course, right? This is what we'd want to say to our clients, to pre-book your appointment. Because if you call randomly and try to get in, you may be well past your two, three, four, five week interval of when you traditionally come in. So we have to start being able to kind of talk about that pre-booking in there. So I want you to think about this from a sustainability standpoint. How will you survive? Okay, so ask your question. How will we survive without? So something might be lacking in your business right now that's not making you as sustainable as you'd like. And you would then need to be able to say, how will we survive without? So if you're not able to hire new staff for two, three, six months, maybe the remaining part of the year, if there's just not available staff, how will you survive? So this is going back into your operational methods and looking to see what do we need to change? Do we need to change our hours? Do we need to change um, the number of uh, the hours that the, the staff is working? Do we need to really focus in on a pre-booking method that our clients understand that we just don't have availability if you just call us? With, you know, to book an appointment unless you already have an appointment on the books. How are you going to accommodate new clients if new clients are trying to get in? Because you always want to figure out a way to be able to get new clients in the door for, again, future sustainability. But all of these things require you to have a conversation, a conversation with your lead team, a conversation with your staff in order to make your business more sustainable, okay? And we're going to talk about then this operational process here. Do you guys remember the movie Eat, Pray, Love? I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. I just watched it the other day. Um, and, I, and, there, and there was actually parts of it that I recognized that I had missed the first few times that I had seen it. And I always enjoy that when, I, when I've watched a movie numerous times and there's still something that I pick up on it. Or, you know, maybe my life or, or where I'm at in my life is a little differently and the message comes across a little different to me. But there was the part where it's a very, very beginning, which I'm, I love watching the beginning of movies because that's the part I never usually remember is the beginning. And so I was watching the very beginning of it. And it's just kind of like where Julia Roberts is talking over um, the this this uh, rolling b-roll of, of Bali and she was talking about no matter how hard life is everyone just wants to discuss their relationships meeting someone breaking up with someone etc that there could be devastation going on in the world and the truth is is that we're kind of like you know he never called me or texted me back or you know he just ghosted me type thing like those are the conversations that we 
would rather have. And it's very much human nature, right? Because we're hardwired for connection. We're hardwired for love and we're hardwired for togetherness. So my intention for you today is for you to fall in love with operations as a relationship. How can you make your business more sustainable by creating better skills of operations, by creating better operational strategies? And, you know, and think of it as like, this is the most fruitful relationship that I have right now with my business is how many systems I can develop and put into place in order to make my business more sustainable. Okay. And there's a, there's a part of it too, that I didn't necessarily plan on talking about, but it's an indirect relationship. I call it indirect manifestation. So we know that, you know, that if you think about something, it will be. Okay, so if you're thinking about lack of money, then lack of money will be what you get. If you think about it in abundance, okay, or you don't place money into having it or not having it, money will actually show up. So there is this philosophy called indirect manifestation where you have to be doing things in action that creates that operational sustainability for things to start to work out for you. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have the direct results from that specific action, but because you're putting all of your energy and focus into that action, it actually starts to manifest. Okay. So operations is kind of like that. You have to be thinking about it. You have to be planning for it. You have to be communicating around it and you have to be putting it into action. So we're people in business, you know, we're, we're a people driven business and we're an IRL business. And in other words, in real life. Okay. So there's, there, there's two parts to this, the scope of the world that we're in today. One part is, are you an in real life business? So of course, restaurants would be an in real life business. Um, salons would be an in real life business. Restaurants kind of have like a, 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 another category there because I don't have to go into the restaurant in order for, to be, to, to be served or to get the food. It could be a to-go order type of thing. We don't have that option in our business. We're, we can't be a to-go business. Like here's a haircut to go or here's a balayage to go, okay? We are actually an in real life business. Even as telemed started becoming popular over 2020, you could meet with a doctor online and you could share your diagnosis. Now, maybe, maybe it's, it's, you know, depending on if it's, uh, you know, something on the outside of your body that you have to show, it might make it more difficult to be able to do that, or they wouldn't necessarily be able to do x-rays or internal. That would be then you'd have to then do an in real life appointment. But this whole teledoc thing really became very popular. And we've always said that we're an industry um, that has the ability to touch like the medical field. But now we're an industry that not only do, you, do we have the ability to touch you, we, you can't get done in our industry without being touched. Okay. You're not going to get your haircut without us touching you yet. Okay. We don't know what the future looks like, but today we do have a digital responsibility to survive and thrive as businesses. If you don't become sustainable, you will not survive. And then the people that you have working for you will not have jobs and 
you know, the business will go out of business and, and so on and so forth. If you don't reach levels of sustainability, your staff is going to question whether you are going to survive and they might see an opportunity to be able to say, I think I better move on and go somewhere else before this gets worse. Okay. So, what does it really look like then? What, what does sustainability look like from a business side? And what does operational excellence look like from a business side? Well, the first thing is, is that it has to have a form of communications around it. There has to be a level of communicating how you communicate, the ways that you communicate in order to continue to share information as things come to light as problems get solved, as problems are exposed, as solutions get determined, okay? You have to have some specific ways of being able to communicate. Now, one of my clients, um, because they're, they're a very team-based environment um, and not necessarily an individual environment of the way that they serve as clients, um, they have huddles every morning. So their form of communication is huddles every morning, okay? Um, for our salon, which is, uh, you know, we have 30 stylists, 28 to 30 stylists, and then, of course, another 10 people that between management and front desk, there's, you know, we're not, we can't huddle every day because not everybody's working every day like that. Um, and everybody works different times in order to make the business sustainable to our community. Um, the hours are, you know, are extended like that. We communicate via a Facebook um, a, a private Facebook group that just our staff is on. We also communicate with quarterly meetings for bigger projects and bigger things that need to be communicated out as we go. From the level of communications, then you have to reach the next point, which is, you know, the, the, the strategy, okay? Why? Why is something happening that's not working as well? Or why are we having this issue? Or why is this now posing a problem for us? Okay. And then, and then you have to be able to, from the communication standpoint, you have to be able to say, we need to develop a strategy around this because A is creating B, which is, you know, A plus B is creating C. And it needs to be resolved. Okay. So let's go back to what I was sharing earlier. If your clients, your existing clients can't get in with you, then your strategy would be a pre-booking system. Okay, you're gonna create a system for clients to understand they need to pre-book. So then you've got the system to pre-booking, right? Which should be very easy. So you just have to take the time, if you're a, if you're a stylist, you have to just take the time to make sure that the client understands how far out do they need to pre-book what exactly are they pre-booking for and allow the, you know, in our case, the front desk is that support team to be able to do that. They're the task handlers of that. So this stylist places it on the ticket when the client comes up to the front or the stylist walks up them to the front and helps them to pre-book their next appointment or it's written down very clearly. Five weeks, um, and it is this particular service. And of course, we have that particular service plugged in as a certain amount of time in their books. So there's a way to be able to do that. If you're an independent person, then you have to just make sure that they understand how to do it. Um, I know that online booking is a, is a, is a popular um, option for a lot of people that are in independent situations and certainly for big salons like ours, but not every service is available to book online. 
because, you know, and, and certainly for new clients, uh, we, new clients have to call in to have their first appointment. And then we provide them an opportunity to book online from there because now they know who they're booking with and they know what service is potentially the, the ideal service for them to be booking. Okay. So we have it as communication strategy systems and task. We have to communicate where the issues are lying. We have to be able to, to determine the strategy behind it. We have to establish a system and put it into play. And then we have to determine who's going to be responsible for that strategy. Who are the task managers of that particular strategy in there? Now, if you look at companies like Amazon, you know, and then you say define Amazon's brand, define what Amazon is. And it's like, they're everything. They have everything, they sell everything. But the truth is, is what they are is operationally excellent in how they do business. Same with Walmart, same with Starbucks, same with Dollar Tree and even Waffle House, right? Because these are businesses that have been able to expand and scale, but they've, they, it's because they have systems in place, okay? Waffle House is, every Waffle House is going to have waffles, all right. There's just no question about that. It's going to have waffles. Okay. Um, you know, Amazon is, is going to provide you a certain level of service. You're going to be able to find what you're looking for and you're probably going to get it in a certain amount of time. Okay. You can kind of count on that. That's why, that's why these companies have grown to the size that they are because they're filling a need based on a customer demand that we want and we expect. So now when we order for somebody other than Amazon and they're telling us that it's two to three weeks out before we get something, we're like, oh, this is just, this is just not acceptable, right? And uh, you know, then we try to go onto Amazon and see if we can find it you know, for the same, same item for the same price, but get it faster. And that's not always the case. You know, sometimes something of quality might have to come directly from that manufacturer and it might take two to three weeks to get it, all right? So Amazon is operationally excellent. And I want you to think about why that is, okay? They didn't just start out selling everything and having a bunch of hiccups along the way. They, they, they built that up. They scaled their business to that level. So look at your business and see what areas are not operationally sustaining you right now and what you're doing, you know? And here's the conversation. So with all my coaching clients that I have and any of the trainings and mastermind programs that I offer and we have conversations, these are the conversations that come up all the time. Partners, okay? There's always this like inability to manage a partner relationship in business. And again, it's because there's probably not communications in place. There's probably not specific strategies that are being developed. There's probably not systems of how you need to be communicating. And then there's probably not defined actions of who's responsible for each task so that it becomes less of an issue or topic in your business, okay? New hires, how to get them, where to get them, um, you know, how to be able to invest in them, how to be able to train them, how to be able to pay them. All of these are questions that are coming up. Then of course, once you've hired them, then it's, then it becomes, you know, what resources are available or are you providing for them, for the new staff to get up to speed? Because the truth is our new staff is booked. They're booked. So am I setting them up to fail? Am I setting them up for burnout? Because maybe they're not getting some of the proper training that they need 
and, um, and then they're not going to be happy. So it's really making sure that you have the resources available for them and that they still are in what you consider to be maybe a, a training program while they're, you know, being booked and uh, as new staff. I mean, think about that from a restaurant standpoint. If it's, if it's somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience waiting on tables and you haven't properly trained them, but you throw them out there because you're busy and you want to fill these tables and you want to turn the tables, you know, it could be a disaster. And what you don't want is a bunch of people saying, oh, don't go there. It's the worst service. You know, the food came out cold and all that stuff. And, and you know, and it could just be because you have new staff that you haven't provided the resources for training. Then, of course, we have the conversation of existing staff. Existing staff that is, you know, has a different set of expectations. Because let's face it, we all went through 2020 um, uncertain of where it was going. And we all came out of 2020 a little bit more clear of what's important to us. So now you have this existing staff that is like, well, you know, working five days is not my thing. So I only want to work four days. So now when their clients were able to come in on a regular cycle because they had five days on their calendar, now they only want to do four, clients are waiting longer to be able to get in and be booked with them. And then you've got client complaints and you certainly don't have the ability to give them new clients. Okay. Um, so let's talk about new clients. New clients, do you have systems in place for new clients? So that there's that ability for them to be able to come back and have a second visit with your salon. Because you know it takes two to three visits to really kind of like sell them on what you're doing. And then, of course, existing clients, same thing. You know, how are you managing existing clients? Because they're the ones that are like, I've been coming to you for 10 years and you're telling me I can't get in with you now? Well, Whose fault is that if you didn't really put them in a position to be able to pre-book? And maybe they didn't pre-book. Maybe you did offer it and they didn't pre-book. There's lessons and systems to be learned at that point in time. So you have to put them as the task manager too. You're going to have to pre-book. Okay. Online booking. Again, you know, it's like it works and it doesn't work. It seems like if, you, if, if you're allowing new clients to online book and then they're not showing up, then maybe don't have it as a new client online booking. Maybe set up a different link for new clients that the minute that that client has booked something and it's a new client, you push out a text or a call or you send them a link to a form for them to complete. So it creates that little bit of further commitment for them to come into you and not cancel or no show on you at this point in time. Okay. If you don't get those things, then there's a good chance that this particular client is going to no-show on you or cancel on you. So put a system in place for a new client that takes it one step further and provides that level of service that might be needed for you to be able to do that. Uh, Pre-booking, we've talked about that pretty good as an example for most of this here. Late cancellation issues, again, it goes back to online booking, it goes back to pre-booking, it goes back to you know, new clients, it goes back to existing staff, um, new staff, uh, all of it, ev everything in there. And you know, listen, I see this show up on these Facebook forums, uh, salon forums all the time, late and cancellation issues, late and cancellation issues. And everybody is always like, what is your cancellation policy? Well, what you, what you probably are lacking is a confirmation policy. So put together a strategy and a system that confirms in a way that creates the opportunity for the client to not no-show or cancel on you, okay? 
Then, uh, of course, we have conversations um, with my clients about retail. Do you have systems in place to be able to make resale, retail a sustainable factor for your salon? Now, one of the things that happened over 2020, which I thought was a, a very positive thing for small businesses, because small businesses were struggling. A lot of people re recognized and realized, I have to support more small businesses in my community. And one of the ways that people can support you as the salon is to buy retail from you. Now, I don't care if they can get it on, on Amazon. I don't care if they can go to Ulta and get it. I, what I care about is that you make an effort to be able to sell retail to your clients because it is a high level of profitability for you. So if you can't get your clients in as quickly as you want, you can't turn them as fast like turning a restaurant table, you don't have new staff or you can't find staff to be able to fulfill the client demand that you have right now, okay? You have existing staff that is wanting to work less, okay? So you're not able to fit in as many appointments as you had maybe pre-2020, then you're gonna need to figure out how to get your existing clients and new clients that are actually in that chair to spend more money with you. And how you do that is through upgrades and retail. And that's going to help you to be a more sustainable, profitable business. You can't rely on one revenue source anymore in our business. You can't. The cost of doing business is too high to do that. Uh, tips is another conversation that my clients and I seem to have. Um, less, of an, less of an issue today because there are resources to be able to help them. So there's, you know, uh, Venmo and there's Tipsy and there's, uh, you know, like in our salon, we have Venmo as an option. We also have an ATM in there if, if they want to. But under the, under the pandemic, um, where we didn't allow tips to be on credit cards, we do now. But it also means that you need to make sure that your team understands that if tips go on credit cards, it goes into a, the payroll system. It's not like we're pulling it out of the drawer and giving it to him at that time. It goes into the payroll system. So you have to have a system for that. And you have to have a line item for that. So that means that you have to have your bookkeeper or accountant understand that that's not considered service dollars. It's considered tip, tip compensation, okay? Compensation in itself is a whole big topic in our industry. And I see a lot of... Um, I see a lot of pe people making claims to things and they heard it from somebody and we don't know that it's 100% true or not true. But, you know, people saying things like um, charging product fees and stuff like that is illegal. And it's not true. It's not, it, it's not true. You have to, we have to stop making blanket statements like that. If you have a compensation program that is viable and that you've been using and it, somebody accepts it and it does meet the federal standards of compensation, in other words, federal uh, laws around that you have to be paying people for the time that they're investing in it. And the federal law is based on a federal, um, a federal uh, minimum wage, okay? And it's like $7.25 or something like that. It's very, very low. And then, of course, you have to look at your state minimum wage and your state guidelines as well. But you have the ability to be able to compensate your staff that is reasonable but legal, okay? So you can put together a commissioned program. You can put together um, a retail program. You can have certain fees on there that are backed out, but they have to be backed out in a certain way. All right. 
but if it's agreed upon and it's and it is exceeding the federal guidelines that are set up and your staff is making money then it's a non-issue okay it's a non-issue but if somebody's not making money or somebody is not meeting the federal guidelines or you have you know one of these hybrid type of approaches where you're expecting them to buy all their own product and paying them a commission or you're giving them a 1099 um, but you're still treating them like an employee that is not going to work okay that's a hybrid that is not sustainable and ultimately what you want is a business that has good systems, good strategies, and that is sustainable, of course. And then of course the, you know, the final conversation that it seems like we have endlessly with my clients are price, pricing and price increases. How to go about price increases, when to do a price increase, should you, you know, how should you take on the price increase? How do you communicate the price increase to your clients? And there's so many variables to that, but what I will tell you is that you need to, you need to go back Okay. If you look at your overhead today, because the cost of goods is going up on everything, you guys, everything. So it may be in your best interest to be able to go back and look at the cost of goods, look at how you're compensating your employees, and then determine if it is time for a price increase. And these are things that I don't talk in general because everybody's situation is very, very different. And if you want to have a conversation on any of these partners, new hires, new staff, existing staff, new clients, existing clients, online booking, pre-booking, late cancellation issues, retail tips, compensation, or price increases, then my recommendation for you is to definitely 100% set up a call with me, a complimentary coaching session. See if we're a good fit together for me to be able to help you in any one of those areas so that you can be a more sustainable business. Because here's what I, here's how I want you to imagine this. Okay. I want you to like, you got a life raft. Okay. And a, 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 a round ring life raft that you would throw out for somebody if they were drowning. Okay. And the survival part is on the outside because there's all these elements that are not making it easy for you to be a profitable business. Okay. So think of like winds and, 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 you know, and your sails ripping and, and the water being rough and weather being bad. All of those things are going to make it easy or not easy for you to be very sustainable. But if you then look at what we talked about, communication strategies, systems, and tasks, okay, this, the communication is answering the question, why? Why do we need to talk about this? Why does this need to be a topic of conversation? Why do we need to come together and, you know, hash it out in a sense, all right? Strategies then determine your what. So what needs to be talked about? What is the issue? What is the potential solution here? Then you go into systems. Systems is then when you start to develop the opportunity of where and when. When do we need to put this into place? Where do we put this into place? Where in our system does it need to go? Um, when does it need to be live and active? All of those things. You're answering all those questions based on the systems. And then for the task, it's how are we actually going to implement this and who is going to be responsible for implementing it and monitoring it okay so in this short little operational success formula here you have to be able to look at it communications answers the why strategies answers the what systems answers the where and when tasks answers the how and who on here and that is going to be your first step to being a really fantastic and sustainable business Okay. Now, one of my favorite lines in the movie 
um, is ruin is a gift and ruin is the road to transformation. Okay. Ruin is a gift. Ruin is the road to transformation, but you want to be able to recognize early on before ruin, it ruined you. And at this point, we all have some 2020 hindsight and insight for others so that we don't want to do it again. Because let's say that you, you didn't get sustainable and you didn't put good operations in place. Then what you're going to say is, oh, I'll never do that again, right? Or, oh, I failed at that, so I'll never do that again. But there's ways to be able to prevent ruin from happening to begin with. And I'll tell you, because this, this, these are my ideal clients right now. Now, this is a, this is a, a very dark depiction of my ideal clients right now because, you know, I could, I could go down the path of, of my branding strategy and, and define exactly who my ideal client is. But here's, here's the truth to this. <laughs> they're 40 something and they're fucked up and struggling. Okay. They've gotten themselves in way over their head. They, um, they may not have the resources to be able to put things together. They may not have the educational foundation to be able to look at what needs to be done. They're overwhelmed by all of it and they can't focus in on one part of it. Then I have my clients that are 50 fed up and fired up. Okay. So they're like, I've been in this long enough that I'm not going to take shit anymore. And, um, and then what happens is that instead of maybe the type of personality or, or, or brand archetype that they are personally, they actually start taking on an opposite side of it. So they might kind of start converting into a villain type person. Um, and then they're just, and then what happens is that they create disruption in their ecosystem. Okay. Their culture and people leave and then they are like, you know, hell with it. I didn't like them anyway, type of thing. And then it just kind of like, it, it goes down the rabbit hole of I'm fed up and I don't know how to get myself out of it. Okay. And we, we certainly, certainly there are a lot of, there are a lot of my clients that fall into that category. And then of course the final category is 60 and sick of it. Okay. And these are the clients that I am working with to to be able to help them to create a, um, a succession plan, an exit strategy. You know, what do they really need to be doing with their brand? Does their brand have value? Does their business, is their business sellable? Um, and, or do they just need to like work to, you know, build up their retirement funds and then just close it out, call it done. Okay. It depends. And our industry is, our industry from a sustainable, long-term sustainable is not as profitable and fruitful as it could be. In other words, if you wanted to sell a salon business, it would be very difficult today. Okay. It would have to have a very strong brand identity. It would have to have a lot of solid business. It would have to have good systems in place. Um, it would have to have, be able to see that there is a future for it, that whoever bought it could be sustainable with it without altering too many things. Okay. So again, ruin is a gift, you guys. Ruin is the road to transformation, but I don't want any of you to get to the point where you have to get to ruin before you think I might need some help. I might need somebody or something to help me get out of this cycle that I'm in. Um, and help me develop my business to be more sustainable. So get the support that you need before it ruins you because sustainability is calling. We have the chance to, it's a do-over. 
everything that we went through from 2019 to 2020 to today, it's a do-over. You have the ability to now get serious, get focused, get into that business mindset um, and look at your business from a sustainability standpoint and say, what area, sales, operations, mindset, marketing, education, do I need to focus on in order to get it to that next level? And if you're interested, you know, you can go to sossaloncoaching.com and right there, there's a button right on the top of the page that you can click on and it'll set up an appointment directly to my calendar. And we can have this conversation to help you with that strategy. All right, guys, thanks for listening to me. Uh, next week, I have a guest. I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about marketing, one of my favorite topics. So stay with us and uh, tell a friend about the SOS Salon um, podcast and the Small Business Success podcast. Thanks for joining me.